You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks supporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, how you doing, buddy? I'm really glad to be recording a uh, Locked on Not the Super Bowl um, because uh, as pretty much everybody in the U.S. Uh, who listens is aware, the NFL Super Bowl happened on Sunday and it was terrible um, and boring. Um, and we're just not going to talk about it. So, I'm so glad that we have, uh, you know, a Bucks win on Saturday, a taking care of business win by the Bucks in Washington, one thirty-one, one fifteen, and um, you and Sean Woodley obviously talked about the Bucks and Raptors uh, on the Friday pod. I was obviously not part of that, so I figured, well, maybe we talk a little bit about that. I was joking with you about how um, we need to talk a little bit more about it because um, no, you and Sean are basically the only people in the world who talked about that game. Um, because of the Mavs <laughs> trade and LeBron coming back. And uh, I think even, uh, I guess the, wait, Thursday the Sixers beat the Warriors, right? That Yeah, that was the second game, I think, right? Which yep. seems like even that game got more press than the, <laughs> the Bucks beating the Raptors. And um, I feel like, I feel like if you took a poll of, uh, um, of like, people aware of the NBA, like maybe not hardcore fans, but like people aware of the NBA, like how many of them would actually realize the Milwaukee Bucks have had the record, the best record in the NBA for like, I don't know, like weeks. <laughs> like, I don't know how many people would because it doesn't really get talked about very much, but uh, yeah, it's a, uh, we, you know, it's a Monday as people are listening to this, but take a look at those standings, friends. They're, they're still very nice to look at Milwaukee Bucks at 38 and 13 and, um, lots of lots of good things happening. Yeah, uh, it was funny that night in Toronto. I was joking around with the uh, with the Raptors writer at the Athletic Air Kareen, and I was just like, somehow the Bucks and Raptors have managed to do it again, where their game, even though it should mean a lot and is undeniably a huge basketball game uh, between the two top teams in the Eastern conference, essentially playing for the tiebreaker uh, at the end of the season. And no, nah, not really, whatever. Like it's, it's just not gonna get talked about because everything was crazy. And like, you know, you could, you knew that going in on, on the pregame that night, it was just like, yeah, this is going to be like the 10th story uh, on any sports roundup because why would it why would it matter when all these insane trades are happening and again like that's that, that can be totally fine like not getting uh, not having people talk about you all the time like maybe that that can be good for your ego but yeah I don't, I don't know the the last time uh, the best team in the league has been the best team in the league for I mean, you can say record-wise three weeks, but the entire season. 
the Bucks have been the best team in the league the entire season. And, nah, you know, Giannis dunks sometimes, and that's about it. Like, it's just the Bucks, And, yeah, I, I, I do think the perception is really interesting because I, I don't know how it changes. You know, I talked about it the other week, and it was like, okay, maybe like a 10-game win streak would do it. And uh, the Bucks couldn't get a 10-game win streak. Instead, they won 9 of 10. Uh, and it's like, okay, well, I guess – I guess that's not going to do it, but you know, you you start to go back, and it's like, okay, well, the Bucks were nineteen and nine uh, through twenty eight games, and now they're thirty eight and thirteen. <laughs> they they just win all the damn time, and it, I, I guess that's not exciting. And I, I certainly know, as you know, as someone who covers the team, like there is not a whole lot of drama. And when there is drama for the Bucks, it's not, uh, it's not the Bucks are thinking about trading. Uh, the Bucks are thinking about trading Giannis or trading Chris Middleton or Eric Bledsoe. It's Don Makers demanding a trade. <laughs> so even, even when the team does have drama, it's, it's, it pales in comparison to everything else uh, that the league does drama wise. And because of that, you just, you just find a team that, again, despite taking it to the Raptors, uh, I thought having just a, a great win in Toronto, a game that, you know, before I called, before the game, I called it huge. After the game, I called it huge. It was a huge win over the Toronto Raptors. And at the end of the night, it's just like, yeah, okay, whatever. Bucks won. Yeah, I thought um, the thing I liked most about that win, other than the fact that, you know, just the basic premise of beating the Raptors in Toronto by 13 points, that, that, you know, pretty much is all you need. But um, I thought the way they did, there was something, it was a kind of weirdly satisfying that they kind of blew open the game in the third quarter, but then Toronto makes their run. They come back and, you know, this is like the old, like, Oh, last year's bucks would have folded, you know, that, that, like that whole narrative <laughs> yeah. you can trot out. But I, I don't even know. I don't even think you need to go to that, but um, you know, they're, they, they, the pressure was on them. Toronto got it down to whatever six, I think. And, um, they responded and they were calm and collected. And, you know, Chris Middleton was a Chris Middleton hit that kind of baseline little pull up shot. And, you know, I, you, you talked about it with Sean on Friday, but, um, you know, you referenced how we've, we've talked about like, well, when Chris goes up against Kawhi, I mean, that's, that's tough, you know, <laughs> like the, it, you're grading on a yeah. curve given Kawhi's defense and, obviously what he can do offensively, but um, Chris Middleton getting the best of Kawhi Leonard overall is uh, you're going to feel pretty good about your chances whenever that happens. And, um, you know, I, I just think he's been, we've been seeing a lot more, you know, really over the last month or so um, we've been really seeing a lot more of the Chris Middleton that, uh, you know, we, we hope to see that maybe we saw early in the season. Uh, he's been, he's a little bit different. Maybe it's a little bit more of the kind of old Chris mixed kind of merged with the new Chris. Um, and it's been important. And I think, you know, we've seen it on the defensive end for a while now. Uh, we've started to see a little bit more on the offensive end, even if the numbers are, are not huge, but again, you don't, you don't need him to be huge. Um, given you got guys like Bledsoe and Brogdon contributing at a high level every night, in addition to obviously Giannis and, you know, Brooke is obviously sort of the, the X factor every night. You know, he could just, you know, he's generally always going to be good defensively. And then he could hit, you know, seven threes and score 25 points or something. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a fun game in a way. It was, it was fun that they kind of gave the Raptors some hope and then 
just snuffed him out. <laughs> um, and uh, once again, you know, Giannis playmaking, uh, setting up that Brogdon three, which was kind of the the ultimate dagger. Not not that it was that close at that point in the fourth quarter, but um, you know, it was it was encouraging. I think certainly Toronto's um, you know shooting struggles. We talked a lot about Kyle Lowry. He was also you know he was again not good um, on Thursday. Bledsoe once again kind of soundly outplaying him. Um, that's obviously kind of been a recurring theme that obviously has not generally been true of the season. Although Lowry hasn't shot well, um, he certainly has not looked as terrible as he's been against the Bucks. And Serge Ibaka's struggles continued. We mentioned that coming into the game, he missed a lot of shots, including that one corner three. Then it could have really, I think it could have cut it to maybe three or something like that. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, Toronto didn't shoot that well. So, you know, again, like, you know, most nights they're probably going to be a bit better, I would say, offensively than we saw. But, of course, yeah, I mean, they had a 90 offensive rating against the Bucks, So, yeah, they're normally going to be a lot better than that. But give the Bucks a lot of credit, especially Kawhi. I mean, they made really Kawhi work uh, for all his shots. He just took a lot of mid-range shots, which, again, he's really good at those. But 16 points on 20 shots, I mean, you know, credit to Chris Middleton and all the other guys who who spent time defending him. I thought they, they were great. and. The Baca four out of fifteen, um, you know that's that's a number that that uh, you're going to be pretty happy with, even if Siakam has a has another nice game. But um, yeah, can't say enough about the Bucks defense. And um, you know, Jim Paschke mentioned the other night. I tweeted about it today. Three out of the four four factors right now, the Bucks lead the league. The best effective field goal percentage allowed, <laughs> the best defensive rebound rate, the best f- opponent free throw rate uh, in the game. It's uh, it's just a pretty remarkable thing what they've been able to do defensively, and um, you know as as we've seen, I think more and more as well, they can defend with different types of lineups, and I think that's uh, something that maybe I think a lot of a lot of maybe casual fans aren't really noticing because finally people are acknowledging Brook Lopez and how well he's played, um, and especially defensively. Um, but I, I think people are also not necessarily realizing maybe in, until that the Toronto game, people a lot of people maybe didn't realize what DJ Wilson has been doing of late. Um, but he was also obviously terrific with the ex-career 16 points and a bunch of kind of little winning plays that uh, that really helped the Bucks win that game. So, um, yeah, two two nights of celebrating that win is uh, I think is perfectly perfectly acceptable, especially given uh, the rest of the basketball universe didn't seem to notice. Yeah, and I was gonna say. Um... I guess a shout out to teams around the league for deciding to try Brooke Lopez at the rim all of a sudden. I don't know. I don't know what has compelled them to do it. Um, but if you go back to, I think, let's see, if you start with the Utah game, uh, Lopez's blocks three, four, five, three, two, six, five, one, two, three, three, two. And if you're wondering why all of a sudden, you know, he's averaging two blocks a game. Like that's why, and, and we talked to, to to Brooke about it after a game. Um, I'm trying to think of what I think it was like a week or two ago. It was after a home game. Um, I think it was after the Dallas game where he had those five blocks. And I asked, I was like, "Are we crazy from the outside to view it this way?" But like, does it feel like teams are testing you more at the rim? And he was like, "Yeah, I think so. I think teams are are trying to do that a little bit more." And I don't know. It's just weird because like early in the season, you know, I think people saw. Mount Lopez and decided, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot this floater. And then I, I don't, I mean, I guess maybe part of it would be, um, you know, teams know that the bucks are trying to force floaters. So, 
maybe opponents are now thinking like, okay, we can't set up for floaters. We got to go all the way to the rim. And it's like, well, if you go all the way to the rim, what's waiting for you is a seven foot one mountain of a man. And that's just not going to work out well for you. But yeah, uh, I think that has really helped. And again, maybe that that's kind of a shame that like you need to see someone actually block shots to know that they're having a huge impact defensively. Obviously we talked about what Brooke has done all year defensively, but um, I guess that does kind of help the the common fan and uh, you know, maybe the outside public see like, Oh, okay. Brooke Lopez is doing this as well defensively, but I would totally agree. He's, he's really started to get a lot more credit for that. A lot more people have noticed and uh, he has been, yeah, he's been fantastic. So uh, good for Brooke Lopez. Um, Let's go good for Chris Middleton as well. He got in, a, in a, his first all-star appearance, uh, found out about it before that game in Toronto. Uh, obviously, I didn't get to talk much about it with Sean because, well, we talked more about the game and uh, we had cleaning crews trying to back us down and get us out of there. Uh, so we didn't get to do a classic Lockdown Bucks one-hour-long podcast. Um, but I guess just your reaction to to Middleton and the news and and kind of all of that. Well, I mean, happy for Chris. Obviously, uh, you know, we we talked about uh, the other night. You know, I I said I'd probably take Bledsoe just in the context of this season and from an All Star perspective. Um, but I think you know, I'm I think we ended up making the case for for two bucks beyond Giannis, both Middleton and Bledsoe, and the arguments for for both those guys making the All Star game. Um, unfortunately, D'Angelo Russell and his uh, hollow low efficiency uh, PPG uh, got got the got the injury replacement from Oladipo. Uh, but uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. I mean, Bledsoe gets a chance to go head to head with uh, D'Angelo on Monday, so um, chance. I wonder how that will go. Yeah, we'll, we'll I wonder if Bledsoe will be motivated in any way uh, to, to play well in that game. Maybe just a little bit, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no happy for Chris. I mean, I was happy for Chris flip side, kind of disappointed for Eric as well. Cause obviously both guys had never made an all-star game before. And obviously this would be, um, you know, it's a tremendous honor. Um, you know, other than the potential ramifications and free agency, there's, you know, no downside to this from a, from a Bucks fan perspective, you love to see these guys get, get recognition and, um, you know, you, you always kind of wonder like how people might react to it. And, you know, like, happening right before the game on Thursday certainly didn't seem to have any negative impact on Chris. He played very well in both games over the weekend. Um, Bledsoe played really well on Thursday, um, then is held out of the game on Saturday, which, um, you know, I, was a surprise. I don't think we'd heard anything about the Achilles soreness that uh, he was listed out as. So who knows how, how real that is. But he's obviously been remarkably durable. Um, you know, especially given his, uh, his previous injury problems before, before coming to uh, Milwaukee. So, um, you know, still crossing my fingers, maybe there's some scenario where there's another injury and, uh, Eric is able to sneak his way into the all-star game, but, um, at a minimum, you know, thankful that, that Chris got his recognition and, um, with that win, locking it up for Mike Budenholzer and his staff as well, which, uh, which is fun. And, um, uh, you know, I don't, I, I'm guessing, um, because I guess did Bud, Bud did Bud go the year that the Hawks won sixty games? I imagine they probably had the best record yeah. at the All Star break. Yeah, he did. So maybe not as much novelty for uh, for him and a lot of the staff, which has carried over. But um, I think certainly from a Bucks organizational standpoint, you know, I, I, it's kind of interesting. I, I feel like, and I, I'll say this: I don't mind that people are sort of sleepy on the Bucks because 
as we've said in the history of the Bucks, like they do better when there are not high expectations. And I kind of like the them being able to play the no one believes in us type card rather than going into, you know, the playoffs if they're, you know, knock on wood, the number one seed or something. Like I yeah, I don't I don't, you know, I don't mind being the underdog even when you're a sixty win team or something like that. Like I think that's <laughs> kind of fun. And um I also understand that people are, you know, mentally trying to kind of get over the hump because they didn't expect the team to be this good. Um, you know, the yep. best record in the league good. Uh, you know, we thought they'd be good, but this is freaking great. Um, and so I, I don't mind it to be honest. I kind of like the league sleeping on the bucks. Um, I, I guess it'll be a little harder to hide it though. Uh, at the all-star game when, uh, you've got at least two players, the captain and the coach of the East, uh, being coached by, uh, by Mike Budenholzer and company. So, um, just a cool thing. I, I mean, this is going to be the, the most special all-star weekend certainly for bucks fans and i don't know how long so um so i'm i'm looking forward to that and um obviously you know still games to be played though before then obviously wins to be had and and so don't want to let let to get get too carried away but obviously exciting to to have that as as another kind of check the box sort of thing on a season that has obviously gone about as well as you could have expected yeah i mean just kind of thinking through thinking through all of it it's just like Man, the it, it seems kind of impossible that you know you're gonna have all that stuff and still be the underdog. And you know, I was laughing at the post game speeches from the Super Bowl here uh, tonight, where it was like, "Oh yeah, no one believed in us," and it's like, "Okay, you guys are the freaking Patriots. Like you've won all these titles. Like yes, the no one believed in you. Sure, like that makes total sense." But you know, with the Bucks, like you can kind of actually see that like you can see that even though they do have the best record no one no one really believes in them and you know i just think it it's kind of funny that that can still be happening but you know we've uh we've kind of seen we've kind of seen it happen and i guess we will probably continue to see it happen and you know just thinking through all the all-star stuff like um you know with with what with what Middleton, I to me it just I, I thought the moment of of the entire day, and again, I get, this this is almost perfect for Chris, but it was talking with Giannis after the game, and you know I tweeted it out that night, and obviously the Bucks had tweeted out the video as well, but you know like just the goofy, stupid smile Giannis had on his face as. I was getting ready to ask a question about Chris making the all-star game. Like that to me was just like, that's it right there. Like if you're, if you're looking for the, the best moment of this buck season, like there it is, because that is your, your super duper star, your MVP, your, your, your everything to the franchise being incredibly genuine inhuman and overly almost embarrassingly excited for his number, his number two to get to go to the all-star game. Like I just thought that was like the, and again, like we don't always get uh, a lot of pro athletes and coaches are good at hiding their emotions and, you know, just giving you coach speak or player speak or whatever. And to me, it was just like, that was, 
that that was just so human and so endearing and it just kind of spoke to kind of those two guys. And then when I got to follow up and I didn't even get to finish my question before Giannis cut me off. Cause I was going to ask, Oh, you know, you think back six years and you know, he just cuts me off and starts talking about how, you know, they never expected to be the number one team in the East. They never expected to both be going to the all-star game. They never expected to have their coaching staff there at the all-star game with them. Like they never expected all of those things when he was 18 trying to figure out the league and Chris was 21, I think, uh, after he got traded from the Pistons to the Bucks, And, like, you know, you just think through the journey that those two have specifically gone on. And it was just like, to me, I just thought that was so just genuine and endearing and human. And I, like, I couldn't, I couldn't really get over that because you just don't, you don't see stuff like that all that often. And when I tweeted it out, I mentioned something like, uh, you know, last week I, I had talked to Giannis about, you know, maybe why people don't appreciate Chris all that much. And the Bucks had published the video and like a bunch of people had tweeted at me and it was just like, well, what do you expect Giannis to say? Like, he's a good teammate. He's going to say that type of stuff. And it's like, okay, like I get the cynicism. Like I get why, why people would say that. And, you know, like Giannis is, is pretty much never buried a teammate publicly. I think the only time would be, ironically enough, Jabari between games two and three last year where Jabari was talking about his playing time. And then Giannis was just like, I'd, I don't have time to worry about like we got to win like that was probably the most critical he's been publicly of a teammate so like it's not something that he really does so like I get why people would be like oh he's just saying like the good stuff for Chris and like for me it's just when you look at that relationship and those two guys and what they've been I mean what they've been able to build like and again you can give obviously more credit to Giannis because he's the he's the MVP candidate but just the fact that these two guys went from a 15 and 67 win team in their first year together in Milwaukee to the best team in the Eastern conference. Like that is, that is like the human condition. Like that is sport. Like that is why all of this is cool to watch and to follow and cheer for is those things like is people being able to overcome things and get to a spot where they never imagined themselves being. And again, as you mentioned, there's still a lot of games left to play. There, there's games left to play until all-star break. There's games left to play for the rest of the season. There's postseason success to actually have that they haven't had yet. But, you know, just, uh, I, I just, I, I couldn't think about anything else other than kind of those two in their relationship. And just to me, kind of how cool it is to see two two people grow together and be through all of this because the NBA changes so much. There's so much player movement from year to year. Like I know we've talked in the past, I think like three years is about the average for how long guys tend to stay with the team because of the way the contracts are and kind of how the the league moves. And like these guys have been together for six years. And in those six years, they went from literally the lowest low to a really high spot right now. Um, not like the highest, highest spot because that would of course be a championship, but you know, they've gone from 
the worst to being very good. And I just think it, it's, if you are a Bucks fan and you were along for that whole trip, if you have a Nader's going to Nate poster in your house, like <laughs> you, you kind of know what it, that season was like and to see it now and to see those two get to have that stage, I just think is, is just kind of incredible. Like it's just an incredible story and kind of the thing that you're always after when you are, you're trying to cheer for a sports team. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I mean, we're not going to get into all the <laughs> crazy trade madness that's happened, whether the rumors, the Anthony Davis deal or um, the the Porzingis trade with Dallas and New York. Um, but, you know, a lot of these teams that are having to make these moves, they're, they're talking about hitting the reset button and basically trying to start over and trying to go back to like, you know, from a Bucks perspective, like, well, we were trying to go back to where the Bucks were five years ago. Um, and then you got to pray that you end up with, especially people like Giannis, but also people like Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe and Brooke Lopez and Malcolm Brogdon and, you know, a coach like Mike Budenholzer, right? Like, just to have a chance to be yeah. a team that has a chance at winning a championship, which I think the Bucks have now gotten to the point where they have a chance at a championship. Um, you know, you might be relying more on, uh, warrior dysfunction, uh, to, to ultimately actually have a real chance at that. Um, right. Like I, I get it like head to head, nobody's going to pick the, the bucks over the warriors in, in, uh, if they're kind of like their heads are right and they're healthy, but, um, it's at least a discussion that the bucks, you know, I think there's a reasonable, certain reasonable chance at this point, the bucks can get out of the East and that they could actually be in a position, which is, you know, just a couple of years ago would have seemed not crazy, but man, the deck was stacked against the Bucks, right? Even a year ago, the Bucks, <laughs> the, the deck was stacked against yes. the Bucks. Um, so to be here and kind of have a lot of things obviously go right, and you knock on wood that they're going to continue to go right. Um, and also, I think things kind of breaking against a lot of the other teams that you thought were going to, you know, expand, you know, sort of extend their advantage over the Bucks. Um, you know, whether it's Boston or Philly, um, maybe to a lesser extent Toronto, but you know, those teams were all certainly ahead of the bucks, you know, a year ago, two years ago, in terms of like what you thought kind of the long-term potential of the team was, but, um, you know, thankfully the bucks have been able to play catch up and, you know, now it's, it's still just a regular season, a regular season thing. And there's everything still to prove, but, um, at a minimum, you know, the bucks have a very, as you said, right now, it's a very drama-free, I guess in that sense, kind of boring by NBA standards type of thing going on. But um, more importantly, they just keep turning out wins. And, you know, we, we talked at the beginning of the year about how this team, you know, you hope that this team would become uh, a group that could just, you know, go out on the road playing a team that's not that good and just lay the wood to them, right? Or you play a, even a good team at home and you lay the wood to them. Right. Um, and it's just, you just kind of have the bar of just winning every night. Like that's just the expectation. And that's obviously, I think probably the best thing you can say about this team is just that the, you know, culture of this locker room, this culture of this team right now is that we're going to win every night and, you know, it's not going to be luck. You know, it's going to be just, we're going to be better than you. We're going to be a better coach, more disciplined. And we've got, you know, all the talent we need to, to win every night on, especially in a regular season basis. And obviously, you know, we don't need to go too deep into things on, on the wizards game, but um, you know, that's what we saw. Right. I mean, Giannis was just like, all right, 
you know, ugly kind of rock fight start. And then Bucks were like, okay, you know, Bledsoe's out. That's that's a that's a bit of a test, right? He's obviously been kind of the talisman off, you know, from a point guard standpoint, but we've got guys and um, you know, Wizards, God bless them, they've been respectable. <laughs> but uh yeah, they just didn't have answers and you know, Giannis had a lot of uh you know, just older brother dribbling through the whole team type moments. Um, you know, that that play where you just backed Ariza down, put him under the rim and just dunk on right? that was that was uh, probably kind of indicative of the broader game and um could have been even bigger blot than it actually was the the you know the fact that the wizards had a 14-0 run and never got what uh well, what was the closest they got i don't were they within 12 at some point in the second half um i don't know it was it was remarkable how not close they got given um given the fact that the bucks kind of lost a little bit of focus there um kind of in the late third quarter but um you know that that's that's what we've kind of gotten used to getting a little almost bored with some of these these blowout wins and that's probably the uh the best thing we can say about this team and the back the biggest statement we can make about this season Yeah, I'm, I think 15 maybe, 95-80, uh, 92-77. Um, yeah, I think 15 might be the closest they ended up getting it uh, there in that third quarter. And, I mean, it, it's always kind of tough to, to go through these games and, you know, tell you what stuck out because, you know, it's kind of what always sticks out. Like, there's there's times when teams just aren't going to have answers for Giannis like that. That's just not going to happen. And, you know, they just took it to him and Giannis goes to the free throw line 17 times, which is extremely encouraging. Uh, Cause that's not what typically happens with Giannis. He puts up that 37 points, 10 rebounds, two assists and a steal. And, you know, just, it, it was funny. Um, Mike Prada from SB Nation, um, someone who I I love all of his work. I think he's great. And, you know, one of the things he said after the game is just like, um, you know, I'm kind of surprised that teams don't try other stuff uh, against the Bucks. And um, I should get the tweet exactly right. I don't want to misquote him. Um, but he essentially said like, you know, it's weird that, that teams aren't trying to, uh, okay. I'm surprised we've seen so many gimmick defenses to stop James Harden and very few to stop the bucks. And, you know, the, my response to him was, well, you know, what would that gimmick be? Because teams tried zone for a few weeks in December, but you know, the, the, the key to stopping the bucks is, I mean, I, I don't even know. Like, you're so you're going to pack the paint on Giannis. Everyone does that. You can't stop him. Or I shouldn't say you can't stop him. Very few teams have made it rough on him uh, this season. So, what you're going to? What's the gimmick going to be? You're going to pressure Giannis full court because that's not going to work. Giving him a runway uh, to dunk on your bigs doesn't seem like a good idea. So, uh, uh, are you going to try to deny him 94 feet? Like, I. Like, I don't know what the gimmick could be. Um, like, you know, when you are thinking about Harden, it's like, okay, well, 
you know, he doesn't have very good teammates, so you can do some gimmicky stuff. But if your goal is to stop Giannis, well, we've seen him again and again say, okay, that's cool. I have teammates that hit a bunch of threes and we shoot a bunch of threes as a team. So you trying to stop me doesn't really matter because I'm just going to kick it to these people and they're going to hit a bunch of shots. So it, it was, to me, it was just kind of surprising that, um, you know, Mike would say something like that, but I think it, it more generally speaks to just what the hell do you do with Giannis? I, I don't know. <laughs> I think if you're, you're an imposing team game planning and trying to get ready for Giannis, yeah, good luck. Like, yeah, I, I just don't know that, that there's really good answers out there. And, you know, there's especially not good answers on a night where Brooke Lopez in threes and Chris Middleton uh, is putting up a 27 and a six. Like I just, I don't think there's a ton of answers out there. And um, you know, it, that, that is what that wizards game said to me again, that, you know, they just, they just took it to him. They just said, we're, we're better than you. <laughs> we're going to sun you right now. Cause you're not any good and we're just going to take it to you. And, and that was exactly what they did. Yeah. And we saw, I think the wizards, we saw a lot of small guys on Giannis um, or smaller guys on Giannis. Cause they didn't, you know, they, it's not like they wanted to play two bigs or something like that. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is to, to really stopping Giannis. It, it was interesting. He only shot 10 out of 20. He took um, he, his three point. I think he, didn't he, he didn't make any threes. It feels like he had a nice run of threes prior to that. Um, took a couple of mid-rangers as well that he missed. Um, and it feels like he hadn't shot a mid-ranger in like like a week or two. Wow. I, it seems like he's been mainly shooting threes and kind of cutting out a lot of the mid-range stuff, which, um, you know, obviously we, as as people who um, believe in math, um, we, we're, we're fine with that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so that was kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just, you know, I mean, you, you, you can only do so much, right. Because, um, you know, again, it's not like Giannis is bringing the ball up the court all the time. So, you know, to like take the ball out of his hands, um, you know, especially when they run that, that play to get him like a post, uh, on the left block. I mean, you could certainly double him there. Right. But, he's gotten mm-hmm. very smart about finding a guy cutting baseline in or, you know, finding a kickoff for a three. Um, and I think if they're doubling from that kind of like base from like the post kind of like from the side post ups, you know, then you can give them the ball face up sort of at the elbows or kind of more straight up at the top of the key. And obviously if you send extra defenders there, I mean, he's so tall, he's going to find guys open in the corners that, you know, I think he, I think he still leads the league in three point or corner three assists. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pick your poison, you know, and the fact that he's ultimately like, I mean, he's still a big guy, right? So it's like, it's not like you yep. can just take the ball out of his hands and then, you know, he can't, he can't do anything right because they can get him the ball. You know, he, he'll just find, find the ball around the basket, you know, opportunistically. Um, you know, we saw that early in the game, Middleton threw that, um, that kind of lob over the top of a fronting fronting post defender and got an easy dunk that way. And, uh, you know, that second half, we just saw him going coast to coast and doing stuff. Um, so it's, you know, again, if there was an easy way to stop Giannis, then he would have been stopped a couple of years ago. Right. Um, but yep. you know, he's a great player and, you know, we saw it. I mean, the, the, that thunder first half was probably the best defense we've seen against him for two quarters and then he comes out and scores 24 points in the second half, right? Um, yeah, that's what great players do. And now he's had, obviously, worse games than that overall, for sure. 
um, like that Indiana game kind of jumps out, the Miami game kind of jumps out. Um, so, you know, again, again, not like he just gets 25 every night, but, um, but yeah, I mean, he's, 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 he's an MVP candidate for a reason. And, um, you know, hopefully as the season goes on, we'll continue to see them kind of find different wrinkles, um, for him to, to be able to, you know, be able to contribute at a high level. And obviously, um, you know, being able to be more consistent from three would, would obviously be great as well, since that's obviously a shot that he's always going to have, um, available to him. So if you can start to knock that down a bit more, you know, we've talked about, you know, him hitting one of those or even none of those, but, uh, he can then weaponize that pump fake, you know, use that shot, shot equity as well. So, um, yeah, Giannis is, uh, he's a beast and I couldn't help but laugh a little bit. A couple of years ago, I was in, uh, I was at home. Uh, I think it was over Christmas, uh, when he had 39 and he was in the game, you know, like in the second half of the fourth quarter. And, um, I think he had a free throw to go to 40 and I think he missed it maybe. And the war, the wizards then later like came out, they were like, you know, offended that he was still in the game cause it was a blowout or something. It wasn't like the last minute of a game or something like that. Um, and so I just thought it was funny to see him. I would have really enjoyed him dropping forty on the Wizards in uh, in Washington uh, in a blowout win. Just uh, just hearkening back on that little um, bit of like the Wizards, you know, doing their their whole thing that they used to do, where they always just like acted like they were better than everybody, and you know, took lights <laughs> at everything over stuff and all that crap. Yes. And now they're just like, yeah, you suck, Wizards. So anyway, <laughs> um. All right, so I guess I'm just going to try to highlight some stuff quick, and then we can get out of here. Um, another very another very efficient night from Chris: twenty points, seven rebounds, six assists, eight of fourteen. Um, the only thing I'll say is I tweeted it ey, last week sometime, I think, and then again during the game. Um, we, we talked about how good his chemistry has become with Giannis and pick and roll stuff. Um, and I think it's led to some overconfidence in that <laughs> um, where Chris will just be like, ah, Giannis is close to the rim. I'll just throw it in the general area and assume that he's, he's going to grab it because he's Giannis. And that's led to a couple like sloppy, just kind of bad live ball turnovers. Um, so that's, that's one thing that, you know, if I am trying to nitpick everything in this win, uh, that might be one thing I would look at, but you know, four of seven from the three point line for Chris, I think two for sure. were on pull-ups where he, he brought the big out and then ISO'd him. And, um, you know, I've talked in the last couple in the last week or so that, that, that shot is kind of coming back. It had kind of disappeared in December. He wasn't obviously quite as confident. And now we're seeing that again. So that to me is a very good sign that, you know, he's, he's seen that mismatch and saying, okay, I got this and, and still hitting that pull up three Brooke Lopez, 21 points through five from the three point line um, felt like even more than that. Like it felt like he was just raining threes down <laughs> on the, on the wizards, but obviously just very good there. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon steps in at point guard. Um, I think kind of a, the wizards are one of the few teams where you could really get away with that because we've talked about how, you know, Brogdon just isn't quick enough to guard point guards and, you know, he can, he just dies on screens. And well, if, if the point guard they're going to play is Tomas Sadaransky, like, yeah, he'll be fine. <laughs> like he, like that's that's not someone that's really gonna gonna take advantage of him. So I thought a pretty solid night there. Fifteen points, nine rebounds, five assists, and then Tony Snell, ten points, five assists, three rebounds, and 
Tony has thrown some of the strangest lobs of all time to Brook Lopez, and somehow Brook Lopez keeps finishing them. He had another one against the Wizards where it was just like, what on earth did you think you were doing there, Tony? And somehow it gets through and Brook Lopez finishes it. So uh, shout out to Tony Snell, the ultimate what did Tony Snell do uh, update is him throwing insane lobs over to Brooke Lopez. And then I guess on the bench, what you'd highlight is George Hill, 13 points, three of six from the three point line, four steals, three assists. Um, but anything else you're, you're kind of thinking about in that game? Um, Brooke Lopez seems like Brooke Lopez is rolling to the rim more. Um, you know, speaking of kind of Brooke finishing alley-oops and stuff like that. Um, it didn't feel like, I mean, understandably so, right? He's obviously where he's really dangerous is as a pick and pop guy shooting those long threes uh, out of the pick and roll. But um, yeah, it seems like the Bucks have uh, let him roll maybe a bit more. He's obviously a huge target. He's got great hands. Um, he's had some success there uh, finishing around the basket as a roller. Um, and we saw another uh, glacial um, closeout attack and then kind of like on the go sh- mid-range shot. Brooke is he yeah. he hit he hit that one like really important shot against the Raptors in the fourth quarter I think um which was kind of like an excuse me like kind of pump and go and somehow get the ball to drop from mid-range shot but it's amazing how often he scores from like 14 feet on like an off balance his feet are on the go and he just has incredible touch he's um, just so freaking talented man he's so skilled yeah um you know the it's most fun when he is able to get all the way to the rim because then like you know he just nerf hoops it like you you really yeah. like, when, when he like is on the go and gets to the rim and dunks <laughs> like you really appreciate how just freaking enormous he is um but even when he doesn't um you know he's not moving at a fast pace and like the way he like lifts his arms against smaller guys is always like funny to me because it's like so deliberate um <laughs> but uh but yeah he uh, he had another one of those uh in the last couple of games each um so yeah shout out to brooke he's obviously been great i, I the wizards um it, they actually had it seemed like it felt like they had some more success actually getting all the way to the rim against Brooke. Um, and, you know, we've talked a lot about all season. Uh, the Bucks have led the league in fewest percentage of shots at the rim, and they've just snuffed out, like, everything at the rim, too. That's So they've, there's basically just nothing available at the rim to opponents. Um, so it's been a little bit interesting because, uh, yeah, like you were saying, it's almost like teams are saying, oh, we shouldn't shoot mid-range jumpers, so I guess we'll just attack Brooke. And he's obviously his his block shot per game number has gone up every month of the season so far. It, it was two point seven, I think, in uh, in January. And yeah, it just feels like, especially early in games, like I just think of like that. I think it was that Utah game where you just had like three blocks in the first four, three or four blocks yeah. in the first like two minutes or something. Um, so it's like teams try him, and then it's like, okay, yeah, that's not going to work. Um, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, he's he's been obviously really critical defensively and. Um, you know, if teams want to test him, I mean, I think you can live with that. Um, you know, especially if it's just a guard sort of just driving, driving to the rim. So, um, we'll be interested to see if, if teams do change up a little bit. Um, because certainly the volume of mid range shots that the bucks allow, you know, especially early in the season was a big story, but, um, you know, we can, we can live with contested, you know, guys trying to shoot layups on Brooke Lopez at the, at the rim as well. I think it, this conversation kind of speaks to a larger point. Like, the and I discussed this with Bud a little bit before the Raptors game, but 
Um, you know, it just feels like January and obviously we're in February now, but it just felt like January was the month where the bucks were like, Oh, okay. We get what you're trying to take away now. Like, I think the, the league in many ways didn't catch up with the bucks, but caught on to the bucks where they're like, Oh, okay. So you guys are actually going to shoot all those threes. Okay. Um, okay. And Brooke Lopez is going to stand all the way out there. Okay. Um, all right, let's see how we can try to do this. And, you know, like it, we talked about how they shot the fewest number of threes per game that they've shot uh, in a month this entire season in January. And, you know, we talked about that early in the month and then it, it kind of continued throughout. And, uh, you know, I just think January was the month where, you know, teams picked up on, oh, okay. And that was either because they had seen the Bucks once already and they were starting to see teams for a second time or, you know, there was just enough film out there where I think teams now have made their adjustments against the Bucks, and that means getting run off the line or, or whatever it may be. And the Bucks just pretty much took it in shower like, all right, cool, we got this. Um, and, you know, I think they had their second best month offensively despite shooting eight fewer threes per game uh, than they did in, in the previous month. And, um, you know, like they still score a bunch and they're totally fine. And then defensively, now teams are thinking, okay, well, they want us to shoot these mid-rangers. We're going to do everything that we can to play differently than that. And the Bucks just like, okay, sounds good. We'll, we'll adjust to that as well. And uh, it's not that they're necessarily a step ahead it's just that they're constructed so logically that it's difficult to really think of some some great adjustments that are going to give you an advantage against this Bucks team. Yeah, I mean, again, like we're you know they say twenty games is a good sample um, of the season, right? Like the, after the first twenty games, like usually you've got most of like the playoffs. Playoff teams have generally kind of sort of shown themselves. Um, that's generally historically true. And obviously now, I mean, we're in the, you know, game 50, 51 games in or whatever, right? Um, if there was a way to just sort of solve the Bucks, you probably would have. Um, but you know, <laughs> defensively, their ranking is is first. So I think clearly, I mean, I think that's the area where we're probably, we've probably been most concerned or have spent most of our energy sort of trying to figure out, like, is there some way that a team is going to exploit the Bucks And um, you know, I think there's still mm-hmm. that question, obviously, you know, can a team with, can the team go small and, and, you know, take advantage of, of Brooke defensively by shooting a lot of threes, um, you know, maybe, um, but, uh, the flip side of that is, you know, I was looking at the numbers. I mean, Giannis lineups with Brooke are, I think plus 10.4 or something, something like that. And if you take Giannis lineups, without Brooke and without Henson, since he obviously played some with, with Giannis at the beginning of the season, um, they're plus 14.7 or something like that. So Giannis lineups have actually been even better without one of those kind of traditional centers this year than, than with them. Um, now, interesting. A lot of that is um, a lot of the, the kind of big plus minutes have come with ironically Thon maker uh, on the floor next to Giannis. So we'll kind of see what happens there. Cause Thon catching another DNP on Saturday. Christian Wood played some pretty nondescript minutes at the end of that game, but I think just the fact that he got a a call from from Mike Budenholzer to to play. Period. Um, kind of said you know spoke volumes about Thon Maker and you know certainly the trade demands. Once again, probably not helping his cause. B 
because certainly, you know, Thon has had more moments this year than, than Christian would certainly in, in, in NBA games. Um, so the fact that he did not get yeah. a chance to play even in garbage time, um, even with Ursan Yasova, I think Matt Flaskas uh, wrote a piece about Ursan continue to struggle. And I think his scoreless streak is at like 56 minutes or something like that right now. Um, you know, he basically plays in the first half, doesn't do anything. And then Bud just basically goes away from him in the second half of games, which, you know, Bud had some quotes in there about like, oh, he's been a great player in this league and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, eh, has, he ever, has he really been a great player? I don't think so, Bud. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's tough. Yeah, I was going to say that that was that was from a question I'd asked Bud last week where it's just like, OK, can like what, what am I going to have to do here to get you to admit that like he's been bad? essentially was just like, okay, can, can we just level with each other here, bud? Like he's been bad. Like like you can just say it. Like it's okay. I know you like our son and you can, you can talk to me about charges and um, (laughs) like, you can talk to me about the little stuff that he does and that's all great. But like, you know, you know who does little stuff, DJ Wilson. And you know who also actually scores? Oh yeah. DJ Wilson. Like uh, all these other, like everyone can do the little stuff. Like that's why, all of those guys have found roles on this team is because they do those little things. Like the reason why we're asking about Ursan is because he's doing those little things, which is great, but that doesn't separate him from anyone else when he's not scoring or doing anything else or, you know, being flat, like flat, flat footed and like not able to defend guards on, on the defensive end. Like all of those things mean that he's, playing worse than those other people potentially could. So um, yeah, that, that's been uh, for someone who with Bud, who's, you know, so honest in, you know, tends to, I mean, throughout the season, he's pulled guys in and out of the rotation and, you know, made sure that if you're, if you're not playing well, okay, let's get you some time off or, um, you know, let's give this other guy a look and let's see what he can do. Like he's been so good about all of that, that, him not doing with it with Ursan has just been to me particularly glaring. It's just like, okay, like there's gotta be something different going on here that everyone else gets held to these standards. And then all of a sudden this guy does not like, okay, like we get it. You like Ursan, but like he's got, he's got to play a little bit better um, to keep getting those minutes. So um, yeah. And then the other thing I was going to say with Thon and picking up the DNP, um, Obviously, there was a tweet from Adrian Wojnarowski after the game that had said, again, let me pull up the exact quote so I I get it right. But um, Malika Andrews had tweeted out Thonmaker's only available player on the Bucks roster who did not play tonight. And Woj quote tweeted and said, Maker remains in play in several trade scenarios. League sources say Bucks are talking to several teams on possible deals. And I mean, I I told you before we recorded when we were talking, talking about that a little bit that very well may be true but uh, to me like if we've gone this far this feels like a message that bud is sending to thon and he is sending to any other player that ever wants to think about doing something like this don't fuck with bud or his chemistry like that's what he's saying like don't do it like you decided that with the best record in the league, you wanted to demand a trade publicly. And 
as Thon kind of told us uh, when we talked to him before the the Thunder game last year, uh, we t- or last week, excuse me, um, he, he said like, yeah, like Bud already knew that you know I wanted to play more, and you know that had been communicated to him before we like we made the trade request and all that, and it's just like, okay, well, the only thing you've managed to do by taking this public is you've pissed off Bud. <laughs> I, and again, Bud has never said anything like that. Um, he, he, he does not say any of that publicly. But I mean, can you take the last week any differently? Like, I don't think you can. Yeah, I mean, there's two dimensions to it. There's does Bud just not really think that highly of Thon to begin with, and then does he also not think highly of the way that this is being handled by Thon slash Thon's camp, right? And I think I can understand the kind of frustration with, you know, being called out publicly for not playing him or like pressure, getting pressured to play him um, by kind of saying, all right, you're just not going to play here for a bit, especially considering we keep winning and it doesn't really matter that you're not playing. Um, But I mean, you know, and this is kind of one of those things, right? Like, you know, maybe we need this just to have something to complain about. Um, you know, Ursan's like the one fly in the ointment right right now in terms of like things that we can question yeah. but about. Um, because, yeah, I mean, on the merits, like, you know, if this was Tony Snell, I mean, we've already seen it with Dante DiVincenzo and uh, Pat Connaughton, right? I and mean, they stopped making shots. They stopped looking like they could compete. They stopped playing. Um, and they didn't get a chance. And part of that was injuries as well. But Ursan had an injury and he did get a chance to win back his minutes and he has not earned them. Um, so, uh, you know, again, I, I, I can't imagine Thon would be doing any worse. And certainly, you know, like I mentioned too, especially, um, you know, Thon's been good with Giannis in particular this year. Uh, so it's not like you're, you know, just, it's not like it's just mm-hmm. like charity or just like some like throwing developmental minutes away or something like that, right? I mean, um, Thon stylistically, um, certainly at least offensively, can do what you want your kind of five to do. And obviously, right now you're you're not playing two fives, right? I mean, Ursan is Ursan and DJ are kind of being used interchangeably in that regard. So, um, so we'll see. I mean, I'm I'm curious. I, I again, I would like to see. I don't think they're keeping Thon out because they're we're, we're using to get hurt or something like that. Right. Like it's not like, you know, it's Anthony Davis demanding a trade and you're going to put him in, put him on ice in order to, you know, protect this, this massive trade value asset. Cause you're worried he's going to get hurt and demean his trade value. You're not worried about that with Thon. I mean, he doesn't have that much trade value to begin with. So, yep. um, so yeah, I mean, again, we've talked about how in the playoffs, like, I mean, athletically, is Ursan going to be the guy that you're going to rely on for crucial minutes? No. I mean, we saw. I mean, we saw it against the the Raptors. Nope. Like, he he actually did manage to like the the Bucks managed to outscore them with with Ursan on the court, thankfully. But you know, he went in there when Greg Monroe was in there, and then the Raptors immediately like, oh, you know, blood in the water. Take Monroe out. Put you know, go back to a small lineup. <laughs> try to take advantage of him. And yep. um, you know, I mean, teams are going to do that. Like he's you know. I mean, he's not going to be able to to defend, you know, really mobile um, fours or fives. And, um, you know, especially with his shot, just not, he just doesn't look right offensively either. So, um, you know, again, probably a 
I don't know. It's a tough spot. Yeah, uh, I would agree. We'll we'll see where it goes from here. Um, I think that's going to be it for us for tonight. Ended up talking, doing a rewind, and I'm happy you got to talk about the Raptors win because though I did enjoy getting to talk to Sean um, and you know getting a, a perspective from someone else, it wasn't it wasn't just locked on Bucks. It was locked on Buckters, and <laughs> that's not it's not. It's not locked on bucks. It's, uh, I needed you to get that perspective out. So I'm happy you got a chance to do that. So um, that is going to be it for us. For one, one more thing, just just a random comment on the game. Um, I, man, TNT's like color commentators just and their analysts just are rough right now. Um, like I'm a big fan of uh, Kevin Harlan, um, you know, I in particular, but like. Man, Chris Weber, like you, you obviously didn't have to watch the game uh, on TV, but like he kept referring to the Bucks switching pick and rolls, and like the Raptors taking advantage of smaller guys on pick and, on switches, <laughs> and it's just like I tweeted this out, and I meant to be. I, if for anyone who didn't think I was being sarcastic, I was being very sarcastic. So I was like, does Chris Weber have a different definition of what a switch is? Like. A switch is not when you drop your five and you send your guard over a screen, and you know, <laughs> like that, like what. I, I don't know. I was just like, I mean, Chris, like you played at the highest level of basketball for like a, 15 years or something. I don't, I, I don't know how you, how could you not how could you see a drop coverage? How, how do you not know what this is called? Um, and he also like had some reference. I think he, he made some comment when Giannis hit a, hit his three that he's only taken, he's only taken 23s on the season when he's like, that was the number he's made this year. And then he made some reference to Giannis when he took two threes. Like, oh, he's only taken two threes like a handful of times all year. It's like, no, he averages over two threes attempted per game, dude. <laughs> just, just crap like that. I mean, Grant Hill is also like, I don't, I don't think Grant, Grant Hill is also just like, you know, a, a guy who, like, I just think back to the game earlier this year where he was like, oh, the Bucks. They, he made some reference basically how the Bucks have been good defensively for a while, but this year they, their offense has come around. It's like, dude, what? Like, do you did did you did you look at all into what this team's history is like they've been crap defensively for years anyway it's just you know like whatever we complain you know I, this is why i don't complain about wanting more national tv games because i just get frustrated listening to these games and <laughs> i was very happy over christmas because i could watch my fs wisconsin feed shout out to jim paschke marcus johnson steve novak katie george uh Dari melendez craig kashan at all um, but, uh, yeah, it's just, man, I don't know. ESPN. I don't like the main team. Shout out to Doris Burke. Obviously she's great. Um, thank God the bucks never get that main team. Cause the main team is yeah. bad. Yeah. Well, we may get them at some point. Yeah. Doris is generally good. Doris is a lot of them. Um, and I think the, I think the color commentator or sorry, the, the, um, play by play people right now are generally pretty good across the board. I, th- I think, I think ESPN's mm-hmm. obviously Breen, um, Ryan Rucco is really good. Um, Mark Jones is good. I'm forgetting some. Who, there's good. They have to have one at least one other main. I'm, I'm Dave Pash. Dave Pash is is good. Um, and he, but TNT as well. I mean, Marv is probably the weakest guy by far at this point. But like because I grew up on Marv, like I still have a soft spot for him. So like I have no, yes. I have no complaints at all about the TNT people um, from a color or from a play by play standpoint. But man, TNT's like, do they have any good good? color a good uh a hubie i guess but he never does really games anymore it seems so yeah um man it's uh it makes you appreciate the uh home cooking our, our guy marcus johnson but anyway i digress happy monday
All right, that is going to be it for us for tonight on Lockdown Bucks. For Frank, I'm Eric. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We will talk to you tomorrow.